Good evening. Tonight we again follow the order of Vespers on page 41, and our opening hymn this evening is hymn 149, Come to Calvary's Holy Mountain. Please stand. O Lord, open thou my lips. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Our psalm this evening, you would turn to page 143 
we will read Psalm 95 in unison. O come, let us sing unto the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err their heart, and they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. You may be seated. Our scripture lesson for this evening is recorded in St. Mark's Gospel in chapter 15, beginning at the first verse. And immediately in the morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answering said to him, you say it. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answer you nothing? Behold how many things they witness against you. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at that feast he released to them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that had made insurrection with him, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to desire him to do as he had ever done to them. But Pilate answered them, saying, Will you that I release to you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. But the chief priests moved the people that they should rather release Barabbas to them. And Pilate answered and said again to them, what will, you, what will you then that I shall do to him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said to them, Why, what evil has he done? And they cried out the more exceedingly, Crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, released Barabbas to them and delivered Jesus, whom he had, when he had scourged him, to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away into the hall called Praetorium, and they called together the whole band. And they clothed him with purple and plaited a crown of thorns and put it about his head and began to salute him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him on the head with a reed and did spit upon him and bowing their knees, worshipped him. 
And when they had mocked him, they took off the purple from him and put his own clothes on him and led him out to crucify him. Here ends our reading of the Holy Scriptures. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. At this time, we continue our worship by singing hymn 146, Lamb of God, Pure and Holy.
Again, I ask you to bow your heads and join me in a word of prayer. O Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we pray your Holy Spirit's blessing upon the speaking and the hearing of your word this night, that we might be strengthened in our faith in our Lord Jesus and hold fast to him unto life everlasting. Amen. The word of God, which we consider this evening, is recorded in St. Luke's Gospel in chapter 23, especially verses 26 through 31, where we read, And as they led him away, they laid a hold upon one, Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country. And on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. And there followed him a great company of people and of women, which also bewailed and lamented him. But Jesus, turning to them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, Weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? During our Lenten season for our Wednesday evening Vesper services, we have been focusing on the warnings which Jesus gave as he was arrested or betrayed and arrested and then finally crucified. This one certainly comes at the end of the time before he is nailed to the cross where he gives a warning to the women in Jerusalem who are weeping and lamenting the fact that he is being taken out to crucify him. And in fact, the, the weeping and wailing may have been more of a custom which was carried out for one who died than true sorrow over what was taking place. Although, again, we don't know the motives of their heart. But it's certainly interesting that our Lord Jesus took the time as he's being led out of Jerusalem to Golgotha to be nailed to the cross and crucified for the sins of the world. He took the time to stop and to turn back and to give to these women who are weeping and lamenting a warning, which hopefully some of them at least took to heart. In that warning, he said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming in the which they shall say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore, and the paps which never gave suck. Then shall they say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, Cover us. For if they do these things in a green tree, what shall be done in the dry? Jesus' own teaching explains these words. If we turn back to Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 41, we see the warning and how this warning is being applied to these women. Here we read that when he was come near, talking about Jerusalem, come near to Jerusalem, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, 
If you had known, even you, at least in this your day, the things which belong to your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days shall come upon you that your enemies shall cast a trench about you and compass you round and keep you in on every side, and they shall, and shall lay you even with the ground and your children within you. And they shall not leave in you one stone upon another because you knew not the time of your visitation. And so Jesus' warning to these women, his warning to the people of Jerusalem, is that because they did not recognize him as the Son of God and their Savior, the Messiah who was promised of old, because they did not recognize the time of their visitation, that God had come in the flesh to redeem them, that God's judgment was coming upon them. And Jesus' words to these women as he was going out to the cross are words of warning that they need to weep and wail for themselves because of the judgment which will come upon them because they did not believe in Jesus as their Savior. We might wonder, of course, why would Jesus say these words? Why would God so judge? But again, it's not anything new. We look back in the Old Testament and there are Numerous passages which deal with God's judgment and the people lamenting and wailing over the judgment of God. I read just one in Jeremiah chapter 9, where it said, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Oh, that I had in the wilderness a lodging place of wayfaring men, that I might leave my people and go from them. For they be all adulterers, an assembly of treacherous men, and they bend their tongues like their bow for lies, but they are not valiant for the truth upon the earth. For they proceed from evil to evil, and they know not me, says the Lord. And so it happened before that God's judgment fell upon his people because they did not know the Lord, because they advanced evil for good and spoke of good as evil. And because instead of following after the Lord and serving him, they turned aside to their own ways into idolatry and all sorts of sin. And as a result, the Babylonians came. Their cities were destroyed. The people were killed. And those who survived were taken away captive to dwell in another land. And Jesus is warning these women in Jerusalem that these same things are about to happen to them. And little did they understand, though Jesus knew, that it would only be a few years later in 70 AD when the Roman armies would surround Jerusalem and when they would lay it even with the ground, when they would kill the people and carry away those who survived captive. And indeed, you know, Jesus spoke these words in Matthew 24, speaking of, What is about to happen in Jerusalem? Telling the believers, when you see this begin to take place, don't go in the city, but flee. Don't even go back to get your possessions. Leave. Because this is going to be a time of judgment. And so Jesus' words to these women was to weep and to lament for themselves because the time of God's judgment was coming upon Jerusalem and it would affect them and also their children. 
It's kind of common during the season of Lent that as we consider all that Jesus suffered, all the injustices that we see in his arrest, in his trials, and then finally in his crucifixion, that we might shed a tear, at least inwardly, for all that our Lord Jesus suffered. But really, we should be weeping and lamenting and wailing for ourselves and for our children. Because if we do not repent of our sins and look to Jesus and his cross, trusting in him for mercy and forgiveness, God's judgment is going to fall upon us. I can't help but think that many of the things that have been happening in recent time here in our own land are just the beginnings of God's judgment upon our nation and people for rejecting his word and turning away from him and his offer of grace and mercy in the Lord Jesus Christ. So why should we weep and sorrow as we consider all that Jesus suffered on the cross? Certainly, we should weep and sorrow because of the judgment which will soon come. We know from the scriptures that our Lord Jesus Christ will soon return And at that time, there will be weeping and wailing on the earth. In Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 24, at verse 30, Jesus said, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Similar words in the opening chapter of Saint of the Revelation to St. John, in verse 7 of chapter 1, Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Certainly we have reason to weep and to wail because of the coming judgment of God which is going to fall upon our nation, upon our friends and our neighbors, and sad to say, in many many cases, even upon our own children, who have not turned from their sins to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And certainly, if these things happen in the green tree, when things are still green and not quite ripe for judgment, What's going to happen when the final judgment takes place, as Jesus said to these women? And so now is the time to weep and to lament over our sins and look to the cross of Jesus for mercy and forgiveness. In Psalm 34, verse 18, it tells us that the Lord is near to them that have a broken heart and save such as be of a contrite spirit. He desires that we have sorrow over our sins, and that we look to him for forgiveness and mercy in the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Or we might think of Psalm 51, where David, after his sin with Bathsheba, prays, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. 
against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that you might be justified when you speak and clear when you judge. And later in that same psalm, David writes, You desire not sacrifice, else would I give it. You delight not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So God does not desire that we just go through the motions of repentance, that we just come and say the words and say, God, I'm sorry, I've sinned, and then go away back to our sins with the false assurance that we somehow are forgiven. But God desires that we be truly sorry for our sins, that we lament over them, and that we fall before the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ pleading for mercy. Or we might think of the publican in Jesus' account of the Pharisee and the publican who had not drawn near to God, certainly did not boast of his own righteousness as the Pharisee did, but beat upon his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We know from the scriptures that the final judgment is coming. We heard it in several of the passages that I read, and we have much reason to lament for ourselves and for our children. In the familiar words of John's Gospel in John chapter 3, beginning at verse 16, it tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then in verse 18 it says, He that believes in him is not condemned. But he that believes not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And, of course, this truth is repeated at the end of the chapter in verse 36, where it says, He that believes on the Son has everlasting life, and he that believes not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. And as we think about all those people that we know, who do not yet know and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Or if we think about our own children who live their lives apart from Christ and his word, apart from the comfort and assurance of the Holy Scriptures of forgiveness and life in their Savior, we have reason to lament, to weep, because of the judgment which is coming upon them. But we also have great reason to pray to pray that the Lord would have mercy upon them as well as upon us, that God would forgive our sins for Jesus' sake, but that also he would mercifully bring those friends, those neighbors, those co-workers, those children who do not yet know the Lord, bring them to see their utter sinfulness and bring them to see and to believe that in Jesus Christ and his cross there is forgiveness. Through faith in him there is pardon and everlasting life. I'm going to close with some words from Psalm 32, which is another psalm of David. 
In the first part of this psalm, he says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputes not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile or deceit. And certainly the one who trusts in the Lord Jesus Christ and has God's mercy and forgiveness is blessed of the Lord. He does not cover up his sins, but he acknowledges them and looks to the Lord for mercy. David says, when I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Then he says, I acknowledge my sin to you, and my iniquity have I not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So when we turn to the Lord and confess our sins, agreeing with him about our guilt, agreeing with him that we are deserving of his wrath and punishment, agreeing with him that our sin is indeed sin and evil and wickedness, God is gracious and merciful to us and forgives our sins for the sake of Jesus Christ, who kept all God's commandments for us and then on the cross suffered and died to pay the price to atone for our sins. And in verse 6, David says, For this shall everyone that is godly pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come near to him. And so now is the time to turn to the Lord in prayer, to repent of our sins. Now is the time to be praying for those who do not know the Lord, that they too would repent and look to the Lord Jesus for mercy. And we have the assurance that all who trust in him, all who are found in our Lord Jesus Christ, the waters of the flood, the great waters, you know, picturing the Old Testament flood, will not come near him. Well, in the last day, it is the fires of God's judgment will not come near us. We will not be cast into hell, but we will receive the everlasting blessings and joys of heaven, all because our Lord Jesus went to the cross and paid the price and rose in victory. Amen. This time we continue our worship by bringing forward our offering. ask you to please stand. We begin with the versicle on the bottom of page 42, and then we sing the Nunc Dimittis, followed by the prayers. Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense. Let it be known. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing that you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent and look to you in faith. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, complete remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, Ever one God, world without end. O ruler and judge over the nations, all authority comes from you. You raise up rulers and put down rulers. Have mercy upon the people of Ukraine, as well as on those in Russia, suffering under the rule of evil men who wage war and murder for the sake of political power and wealth. Protect the innocent from war and bloodshed, and grant unto all the wisdom to repent of their evil ways, and to look to you for mercy through the shed blood of Christ Jesus our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that we, being defended by thee from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, Ever one God, world without end. Bless we the Lord. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. You may be seated. We close our worship by singing hymn 558, All Praise to Thee, My God, This Night. Two verses? Oh, the second tune. Okay.
Again, I welcome to all of you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, don't believe there's any new announcements, uh, except for don't, don't come next Wednesday evening, because we will meet on Friday evening instead for our Good Friday service. Can that be? It's uh, Holy Week already, I guess, coming up. God's richest blessings to all of you and our, your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you.